Well, good morning, church. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Jim Lakata. I'm the youth pastor here at Community Bible Church. I'm very excited to be sharing. Thank you. Um, I'm very excited to be sharing my testimony with you all this morning. I really don't like talking about myself, um, so this will be a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> if I could just pray uh, before I start. God, uh, thank you so much just for an incredible opportunity. Um, Lord, I pray that the words I speak this morning would glorify you and you alone. Um, the goal of our testimony is to bring a focus and attention towards how you work in each of our lives. And no matter how uh, simple a testimony or complex a testimony, it's a miracle, Lord. It, it, it's a miracle. It, it's greater than any physical healing we could ever imagine, Lord, because it's eternal and it lasts forever. So we thank you for that, Lord. Allow me to glorify you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Um, so I apologize if I don't make much eye contact with you all this morning. Um, I'm sharing my life with you, and I don't want to keep you here for too long. Um, so I will be heavily relying on my notes. Um, and uh, yeah, afterwards, I would like to briefly talk to you all about my goals and my vision for our youth ministry here. Um, as I said, my name is Jim. Uh, I was born and raised here in Ventura, California. I'm 25 years old. I have an older sister named Courtney, who is six years older than I am. Uh, she lives in New Hampshire. Uh, my mother, Deidre, lives in Moore Park. Um, and my dad, Jay, lives here in Ventura. I grew up in the church. Um, I attended preschool at First Baptist, um, and then kindergarten and first grade at Our Lady of Assumption. Somewhere in those early years, um, my parents divorced, um, and by God's grace, not only did they both agree on joint custody, but um, my dad was actually able to get a rental right down the street. So going back and forth was seamless. Um, I really didn't feel the effects um, at so young of an age. My sister did, however. Um, after those couple of years in the Catholic Church, my dad realized that that's not where God wanted us. Um, so some time later, we began attending a church in South Oxnard that was maybe, man, maybe like just this section right here, super small, super small church, um, really cool spot though. This was the first church that I felt like I really got plugged into and discovered the joys of youth ministry and children's church. Um, so I, I was in second grade to sixth grade uh, during the time that we were at this church, and I thought it was the coolest thing. Because you go from your bedtime being like 8 p.m. to suddenly you're hanging out with middle schoolers and high schoolers to like 9 o'clock. So um, you think you're like super cool. It's awesome. Um, so we attended there for some time. And then my family started attending Ventura Missionary Church around 2008, 2009, um, when I was just starting middle school. Um, and that was like youth group on steroids. <laughs> it was, uh, wow. I had never been in a social situation with so many people my age, and it was so loud and energetic and very overwhelming, but I developed a lot of great relationships there throughout middle school into high school, and it was actually high school my freshman year in March of 2013 that I started dating Sierra, my wife. Um, if you want the whole cute story, you can ask her for it. It's a cute story. Um, I tell it pretty well, but she tells it better, so ask her. Um, we did it, obviously, all throughout high school. We went to different schools, which actually was awesome because teenagers like to start drama when there's nothing wrong. Um, and so it was great because we lived really close to each other, just a mile from each other. Um, so we were able to see each other outside of school. 
um, which meant that we were still able to have our school relationships at our own schools. I, I knew some, I had some friends who would get a girlfriend and they would disappear off the face of the planet. And you're like, what happened to so-and-so? Oh, they got a girlfriend. Oh, okay. Um, so it was just, yeah, but it was nice uh, that we went to different schools. Sierra was also a grade older um, than I was, so that made me look really cool. Um, what wasn't cool was the four years of long distance that I suppressed feeling, feelings towards until the day she left for college. Um, that was pretty hard. What was great is she went to college in Portland, Oregon, um, so we were at least in the same time zone. Um, so that made communicating pretty easy. But yeah, four years of long distance is hard, especially when you aren't even sure what you want to do with your life. When, you're, when you have all of this pressure trying to figure out, okay, I'm, I'm graduating now, I need to get a job, am I going to go to school, I hate school, it, it makes time go by really slow. Um, so yeah, well, all throughout middle and high school, I played piano on the student-led worship team um, at Ventura Missionary Church, and that was always a blast. Music was and is a safe haven for me, um, especially just getting together with other people and creating is the best. Um, my freshman year, I thought I had discerned, wow, I should go to college and major in music performance. Um, and see how quiet it is? Well, I'll... <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you where we started and where we ended up. So freshman year of high school, I made a dream board that I was going to get straight A's all four years of high school and get a full ride scholarship to the Juilliard School Conservatory of Music in New York. I graduated, so that's where we started, I graduated with an overall 3.1 GPA, having failed two classes, one in my sophomore year and another my senior year. I realized it's one thing to set goals, but if you don't have a plan, the work ethic, or the maturity, you won't get anywhere close to achieving them. During my senior year, I toured one college for their music program, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Um, so we went from the Juilliard Conservatory to Vegas. That's where we, we ended up. And it, it, don't get me wrong, UNLV, because it's Vegas, they get a bad rap, but they have an amazing music program. The music director um, is actually a professional uh, pianist and did a lot of uh, recordings for movies, TV shows, and um, the best thing I loved about the program is that it's Vegas, so there's always opportunities to perform. Um, and that's what I wanted. I wanted a place where I could perform as regularly as I wanted to. So I thought, great, I want to go here. Well, back then, a few years ago. Uh, college cost a lot of money, as it still does. And to my surprise, I got offered zero dollars in scholarships. Yeah, shocker. Um, so I made the decision, you know what? I'm not going to put myself in debt. I'm going to stay local and work. It sounds like a really mature decision, but I honestly just got cold feet. Um, knowing how horribly I do in a formal classroom setting and the fact I couldn't wait to graduate high school, I really was like, I should see what it's like to not be a student for a little bit. I, I, shouldn't, I should try to just see what it's like to work. So what follows are a few years of just trying to figure things out career-wise. I worked at a haunted house. Um, <laughs> that was fun. I worked at Target seasonally. Um, I ended up just taking a semester at VC and was just trying to grab on to a career that would allow me 
to put a ring on Sierra's finger and provide for our future family, truthfully. Um, I, there was a point I thought I was supposed to be a union electrician. Um, that, that didn't work out. Um, the place where I actually ended up working the longest is an Italian restaurant in Moore Park. Um, some of you may know it's called Carreras or Carrera Pastries. It was the first job that I had that I really got to experience the feeling of hard work. Um, it was a job that I learned management skills. Um, I learned how to cook uh, there. I learned how to do latte art and be a barista. And I was able to purchase Sierra's engagement ring working there. And I made pretty good money too, but it consumed me. Um, and eventually it dragged me away from the church. Um, we'll come back to more of that. But I ended up proposing to Sierra in March of 2018. That was spring break of her junior year. Um, and that was really cool for Sierra because she got to plan a wedding and finish her senior year of college at the same time. <laughs> wow. Lucky you. <laughs> Lucky you. Um, so, yeah, the last year of long distance was difficult, especially now that we were doing a long distance engagement. Um, but we made it, hallelujah. To say that uh, leaving Oregon was hard for her was an understatement, but the feeling of us knowing we were never going to have to go through anything like that again was incredible. Um, so we got married in July of 2019 and moved in with my mom in Moore Park, uh, California. Sierra began substitute teaching for schools in the area, and I continued working at the restaurant. During those first few months, we really didn't see each other that often. Um, we worked opposing schedules uh, where her normal hours was early morning to afternoon, and my schedule was afternoon to late evening. Um, well, Sierra's bedtime is right around 8, 9 o'clock at night, and uh, because I stay up late, I generally sleep in. Um, so we really weren't seeing much of each other other than... So that, that is pretty much it. Um, but yeah, so we really didn't uh, see too much of each other until March of 2020. Um, for the first time ever in our relationship, we started seeing a lot of each other, like 24-7. But honestly, it was awesome. It, it, it really was awesome. Um, we both took up new hobbies that kept us busy and fulfilled our times of independence, um, especially even though we lived in such a small space. Um, but we just enjoyed, like, getting to hang out and see each other. And just, even if we weren't doing things together, just being near each other was so important for both of us. Um, really quick, some of the hobbies that she took up consisted of sewing, knitting, embroidery, all kinds of textiles. We have a quilt hanging on a wall in our house, it's crazy, um, that she made. And some of my hobbies were culinary, archery, uh, ultra-distance hiking, hunting, and of course, I had a lot of opportunities um, to continue using my musical gifts during that time as well. Um, and that's one thing I want to reflect back on, is that music never really ever left my life. Um, there were seasons where the keyboard was put away in the closet, but that didn't last long, because it was only, once you put it away, you're like, oh, why did I put it away? And then a week later, you get it back out. Um, so God was always providing me with opportunities to use my musical gifts that he gave me, um, whether it was writing orchestrations or recording a little backing track for Britney. God was providing me ways to use my gifts to glorify him, even when I wasn't going to church 
and even when I didn't feel like I was really walking with him. Um, well, during that time, as you know, our country became incredibly uh, divisive. Um, and what seemed like for the first time in my life, I cared about what was going on. When you're a kid, you don't really pay attention to politics, you don't really pay attention to the news, but uh, because I was an adult and now I'm married and a, a protector, now you start to care about what's happening um, in the world around you. Um, yeah, uh, we were then... Uh, sorry. Oh, th so yeah, during that time when you see so much... <laughs> stuff happening, you start listening to different media outlets, and you start seeing very uh, strong arguments on both sides, and, and what really was frustrating was just people that had uh, differing opinions didn't seem to know how to communicate with one another. Um, there was a lot of anger um, just in our country, and uh, I was not seeing the conversations, the tough conversations that needed to be had, had in a civil way. Um, so through doing studies on different political and economical concepts um, with trying to better understand, you know, progressivism to conservatism, I discovered a new trendy term that I was not very familiar with, deconstruction. Raise your hand if you've heard the word deconstruction before. Okay, a good amount of you. For those of you um, who don't know what it is, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Deconstruction had essentially exploded in mainstream media and can mainly be defined by groups of ex-evangelicals who grew up and realized that their whole spiritual childhood was a lie. What was incredibly alarming is that I seem to identify with some of the testimonies of these younger people. Um, they grew up in the church, um, they were my age, and they did experience some of the weird things that I experienced uh, growing up as well. But there was one big problem that I noticed about the movement. Not a single person was talking about reconstruction. They love talking about deconstructing, but no one's talking about what they're going to build to replace what they've just deconstructed, reconstruction. And I'm all, I'm all for deconstruction. If you grew up in a theologically heretical church, I'm fine with deconstruction. If you grew up Mormon, um, Jewish, uh, Muslim, Hindu, or atheist, but the main question I ask people who I've talked to, who claim to have deconstructed, is then, then what did you reconstruct? Because you can't just be nothing. You, you need to be a person with values. You need to have some type of foundation at least. And most of them, quite truthfully, um, do not have an answer for me. I would say that the most popular response uh, was that when they really looked back at Christianity, it was all just a bunch of made-up stuff to control people. That's, that's the, the majority atheist apologetic for religion as a whole. And in the words of uh, Ricky Gervais, it was just some annoyed, power-hungry, little desert dweller who was hot and bored and hated gays and women. So, in going through my studies of deconstruction, I needed to find out why people were actually leaving the faith. Was it apostasy, or were these people never saved um, in the first place? I also wanted to research if there was truly anything wrong with Christianity as a religion, um, along with the Bible, the claim that it, it is God's inerrant word and sufficient word. I now had more questions than ever before um, and desperately needed answers, not just for myself, but for the people in my life that I cared about. Um, we'll come back to my studies in a bit. In October of 2020, I got a text or a call, I think it was a text, uh, from Brittany Christian Miller 
asking if I would be interested in playing with the worship team for the church's Noel Under the Stars Christmas concert. Um, now, I had been writing orchestrations uh, for her for previous years, um, but this was the first time she had asked me um, to play here at CBC. Um, and honestly, if we weren't in the midst of a global pandemic, I would have said, sorry, I can't. Christmas is the busiest season at the restaurant, um, and I pretty much work every day of the week, uh, because I did. Um, but our restaurant hours were significantly reduced because of COVID. Um, and we began bringing on more staff with limited service, limited capacity, and the need uh, for me to be there um, wasn't as significant as it was before. We had other managers that could do the easy job of just managing four people um, versus a full-blown restaurant. Um, so uh, I put in the dates that uh, Brittany said, these are the rehearsal dates, these are the performance dates. If you could get them off, great. I put them all in. Within two hours, they were all accepted. I was able to get every single one of them off. Um, so I excitedly and nervously accepted Brittany's request. I had played with Brittany quite a bit at Ventura Missionary, um, so I knew her, but it had just been a while since I had played with a group. Um, what I can say, without dragging that on for too long, is the feeling of being in community with Christ-centered people again was incredible. Um, I left every rehearsal just feeling so excited and so blessed um, to be a part of this amazing group. After our final performance, I experienced some serious post-concert letdown. Um, for those of you who have ever put in months of work for a large project and then it suddenly ends um, with its completion, there is almost a void um, that now forms. And the project became such a significant part of your life and now that it's no longer a part of your, your life, you feel like something's missing. Um, I remember thinking to myself, man, if, if, if only we could do that like every week, that would be so awesome. <laughs> if only I could play with that group of people like once a week, that would be perfect. Well, it was only a few months later that Brittany texted me again and asked if I wanted to lead worship with her on an upcoming Sunday morning. Funny how God works. Um, after that first week of leading worship, I realized that I desperately needed to be reconnected, not only with community, but with God and his bride. Um, yeah, so in June of 2021, I left the restaurant line of work altogether and began the process of preparing to take the California real estate licensing exam. Um, during that time, God blessed me with an abundance of uh, time to continue studying not just real estate, but doctrine and theology. Um, suddenly every week, uh, Sierra kept noticing that the collection of books on the shelf in my study continued to grow and grow and grow and grow. And she'd say things like, wow, that's a big book. I'm like, yeah, it is a big book. And she'd say, are you going to read all those? Well, I inform you today that I have not read all of them. <laughs> um, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I spent hours, some days, uh, just reading, studying, watching videos on doctrine, philosophy, uh, theology, church history, anything that could help give me the most clear understanding of absolute truth um, and allow me to share it with others. Uh, that, that feeling consumed me too. When you start learning a lot and you start getting excited, you, you naturally feel compelled to share it with others. And it, it, there is an aspect of just the spirit leading you to want to do that when it's uh, things that pertain to his inerrant word as well. Um, 
yeah, it, it, it looked like an obsession from anyone on the outside, but I, I would say that it, it was quite healthy. From Sierra's point of view, it didn't look healthy. Um, this looked like an obsession, which she had every right to conclude. Throughout my life, um, having self-diagnosed ADHD and a rather obsessive personality, anyone who knows me well um, knows that I would go through seasons where I'd become engrossed in some new thing that I had to learn every little thing about, just because, just because. Some examples include snooker. I went through a weird snooker phase where, I, I, for those of you who don't know, it's like a massive pool table with really small pockets. It's really impressive. Um, I went through a curling phase where I suddenly just was watching all these YouTube compilation videos of like the coolest curling stone throws. And I was just like, whoa. I, I, I realize it's just, I like watching people who are good at things do those things. That is really what it was. But then during lockdown, culinary, archery, all those other things too. Um, so to someone who doesn't know me, it absolutely looks uh, very unhealthy. But for those of you who do, you know that I'm quite the conversationalist. Um, I think I could really have a conversation with almost anyone. Um, saying that I have a passion for learning really is an understatement. Uh, not just from books or videos, but from conversing with others. I think one of the best ways to learn is to allow someone who's genuinely passionate about something to share their, their position with you. Um, instead of just, you know, sometimes we bury our heads in a book, but we have incredible people that God puts in our life that can transfer that truth to us as well. Well, Sierra knew me, and uh, as she watched me go through this obsession, what she didn't see was that the Holy Spirit was truly sanctifying me during this time, that he was really doing some work. Sierra was waiting for this phase to pass, um, but I think what she didn't expect was, one, for it to last as long as it did, and two, for me to invite her to come to church with me. Now, contrary to myself, Sierra did not grow up in the church. I'd like to tell another brief story about how incredible and perfect God's timing is. Sierra's first two services at this church, the very first week she ever attended with me, we both had the pleasure of witnessing this church carry out the biblical procedures of church disciplinary action found in Matthew 18. The conversation that followed after the service between her and I was rather interesting. I did my best to reinforce how incredibly important it is that a church holds its members accountable and that the action of public disciplinary action is necessary to protect the rest of the flock. And, and she understood that, but it's a weird introduction to church, <laughs> no doubt. The second service she ever attended with me the message was on what it means to be unequally yoked. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. God's timing is perfect. Um, it didn't feel perfect on the drive home, though. Um, I won't go into details, but there were tears. There was sadness. There was confusion. There were lots of questions. And all I reaffirmed her in the car is that I loved her more than anything and there would never be a day where I didn't love her, um, and that she's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Heading into this following season, fall, winter of 2021, Sierra was ver very busy with teaching in school. She would teach all day, come home, and go to school on her computer, and then go to bed, and she was incredibly busy with that. 
God gave me the discernment during this time to focus on serving, serving him, serving the church um, in more ways than I already was. I reached out to David Bell, um, our former youth pastor, and picked his brain on me coming to serve, and he was stoked to have me join the Wednesday night leader team. I built so many incredible relationships over the next six to eight months. I ended up going to summer camp um, with our students and made memories that I will forever cherish. Um, but I was fully and totally plugged in here. Um, and I actually disciple um, three of the boys that I ended up going uh, up to camp with um, that summer. Uh, I continued using all of my free time to study God's word and allow it to penetrate my heart. Um, Sierra began seeing changes in my emotional maturity. I was more empathetic towards her issues. I was patient with her. I had stopped gaslighting her. I actually began sharing my feelings with her, which was something that I'd never do with anyone except my steering wheel. Um, there's a road rage joke in there. But, uh, but she had seen a complete change um, in me in a relatively short amount of time. Um, and I was finally beginning to live like the man I vowed I'd be for her on our wedding day. I cared for her soul in ways that I never thought I could, and the gentleness that I would share with her what I was studying or learning about, and our discussions went from heated debates to fruitful conversation. All of this, all glory to God, for he is the one responsible for my justification, sanctification, and future glorification. Amen? Amen. Amen. Sierra and I were given an incredible opportunity in August of last year to move into David and Audrey's old townhome here on the east end of Ventura, not only giving us the space to raise a family, but putting us 30 minutes closer to church, my office, her mom, her grandparents, my dad. It made sense, and we felt like it was the most necessary decision. After moving out here, a job that I thought had lined up uh, fell through. I spent months sending in multiple applications to businesses all over Ventura, Ventura County, along with online and virtual jobs, remote jobs, just trying to find something, especially since real estate hit an incredibly slow season. For those of you who watch the market, you know what we're going through right now. Um, finances became pretty tight, but God assured me we would be okay. For me, it made sense. God keeps slamming doors shut in my face, so I'm just going to continue to serve him and be obedient all the more so. Um, in Sierra's eyes, <laughs> she's incredibly confused. Why on earth would Jim continue volunteering more and more of his time when he needs to start bringing some cash in? Um, yeah, that's a valid question. Uh, when I could be using that same time elsewhere to make money. The feeling of knowing you're failing to provide is a feeling I hope many of you never experience. Um, but there was a, a good season, uh, a good chunk of time there where that's how I felt, like a, like a failure, that I was failing to be a biblical husband to her. Um, but I couldn't find a job anywhere that would accept me. Um, but God clearly had something better in store, and we know how the story ends. After um, moving out to Ventura, um, Sierra had finally finished her master's degree. She was doing her master's and teaching full-time all at the same time. Good Lord, girl. Um, this woman has an incredible work ethic. I've never met anyone with a work ethic like her. Because she was done with this, she was sleeping better. She had energy. She was much happier. Um, 
and she had free time, not just time for me and uh, for her own hobbies, but time for other people other than me to pour into her. Well, Sierra had two incredible women mentoring her, Audrey Bell and Hannah Van Dellen. Um, I say mentoring, not discipling, because Sierra was still not a believer at that time, um, but had uh, shifted over the last couple of years from an ignorant atheist to a curious agnostic. Um, now, these two women, Audrey and Hannah, poured into her life in ways that I would never be able to. Um, the ways that God used both of them uh, to glorify himself was incredible to see. These women counseled Sierra through difficult questions, provided great conversation, but most important of all, they took an interest in her life. Um, they loved her unconditionally, and it was through this Christ-centered love that she experienced through everyone here and those women and through me that she came to accept Christ in December of last year. Um, the joy that it gives me to tell you that is, is unexplainable. Um, my wife and I were now equally yoked. Um, <laughs> yay! <laughs> and uh, we are, um, we're looking forward to both being baptized together this year. Um, not, neither one of us have been baptized. I was never baptized uh, growing up. I was christened. I believe you were christened as a baby. But um, we're looking forward this spring of getting baptized together. Um, now, how did I come to step into this role? Well, I had some incredible men discipling me here. Still do. Um, men like David Bell, Pastor Bob Dupar, Pastor Ron Cole, and my dad. Um, all of these men gave me the most valuable counsel and advice that God um, uses to further shape and mold me. I spent the most time with David Bell um, and learned a lot from him. Uh, he helped equip me uh, for the work of ministry, youth ministry specifically, and, and just by being an incredible example, and uh, for those of you who know, a physical embodiment of discipleship. Um, and God continued providing avenues to serve and grow here. Um, David's vision of discipleship is one that will never die for as long as I'm here, making discipleship a lifestyle for a lifetime. All glory to God, it's incredible to see how much that vision has impacted this ministry as a whole here at CBC. I am currently discipling three incredibly mature young men who happen to be some of our high school students. The time I've spent with each of them um, is time that I never imagined would be as fulfilling as it is. Um, just getting to pour into, just I, I really see myself in, in each of them and how I wished when I was their age that I had someone um, my age or someone in their 20s that just took an interest in me and poured into me. And so that has been fantastic. In January, after receiving the news about the Bells moving, I was offered the position of youth pastor here at CBC. I couldn't possibly try to explain everything going through my head during that time, um, but here was what God made most clear to me. God got me out of a toxic work environment and back into the church. God provided me countless opportunities to serve and use my gifts and talents here at CBC. God gave me the extra time to begin pouring into youth ministry. God gave me the mental capacity to spend the remainder of my free time studying and learning more and preparing for something big. God softened my heart to meet the mental and emotional and spiritual needs of my wife. 
God gave me the strength to continue trusting in him and remain obedient to him even when finances were tight. God gave me an opportunity to live 10 minutes away from the church instead of 45. God qualified me for the role of eldership when by his grace my wife accepted him as her Lord and Savior. God put incredible men of the word in my life to disciple and mentor me. And God made it crystal clear um, that out of all of my hobbies and seasonal obsessions, um, that I was just desperately searching for something that would be forever fulfilling. And by his grace, he has made it clear that I will forever be fulfilled by the study of his word, by loving my bride and my family sacrificially, and by taking care of his sheep. Pastor Chuck Swindoll says, do you realize there are only two eternal things on earth today? Only two, people and God's word. Everything else will ultimately be burned up. Everything else. It kind of sets your priorities straight, doesn't it? And I'm eternally thankful and blessed that I get to study and love both of those every single day. Truly, I've been blessed beyond all measure. All glory to God. Thank you. Now, before we uh, go into a time of communion, um, I just briefly uh, want to tell you guys a little bit about my uh, youth ministry philosophy here. Um, I mentioned deconstruction in my testimony, and that's something that is still uh, very serious, especially with um, a lot of uh, transitioning high schoolers to college age. And what we're finding is there are a lot of students that are going off to college ill-equipped, ill-prepared, um, and are walking away from their faith altogether. Um, so we have a grand opportunity here, um, not just in children's church, but with middle schoolers and high schoolers too, to be intentional with the time that we spend with them, to make sure that we are best equipping them and preparing them with the tools that they need um, to always be ready and willing to give a defense for the hope that is within them. Um, so uh, obviously we're very focused on discipleship, as we should be, um, but my big strategy underneath that is, you know, we've been focusing on inreach, and that's fantastic, but we need to start equipping ourselves on how to evangelize to the unbelievers, to the, to the non-believers today. Um, we uh, are, are really trying to format Wednesday nights to, instead of just being a place where you drop your kid off and they hang out for a couple hours and then you pick them up, we really want to start formatting it where we are preparing them for adult ministry. Um, there are lots of youth groups where it's just two hours of games. Um, we are not one of those youth groups here. We also aren't a boring youth group. There, there's a false dichotomy where it's either you're a super fun youth group or you're a boring youth group, but I firmly believe that you can do both very well. Um, so we are trying to format the evening to basically being a, a, like a Sunday service for, for the youth. You know, Wednesday nights should be, you know, their church where, where they show up and they fellowship and they get to spend time in worship and they receive a message. Um, that, that's just the only thing that makes sense to me to best equip them for adult ministry. Because if you have your student and your child growing up just playing games and they go off to college and then they start attending this, they're going to look at this and say, this is boring. It's just the truth. It's just the truth. Um, so we really want to best prepare them for that. Um, last week, 
we went through uh, the problem of evil. Um, and we spent 45 minutes um, discussing, discussing as a group collectively, the problem of evil. Um, for those of you who have a heart to serve in some way, shape, or form, I encourage you, um, we would love to have you serve um, in youth ministry. Right now, we are going to be moving into a season where we're losing a lot of our volunteers that are going off to college or are moving on to something else. Um, and uh, we just need people, it doesn't matter your age, you just need to love Christ and love his bride and love people in general. Um, it's not just super physical games. So a lot of people are like, oh, I can't do the games. It's not just games. If you have a heart to serve and you're convicted that you need to pour into someone else's life, we'd love to have you. We really would. There are opportunities for you there, I promise. Um, we also uh, talked about the importance of note-taking with our students, too. We bought each of our students binders with filler paper, and there's an expectation every week. Look, I spend five to ten hours a week preparing a message for you guys, and if you just sit here and listen, start zoning out and start falling asleep, you're not going to retain any of it. So we have them taking notes every single week, and that is building up a handbook for them that when they do leave or they do go off to college, they are well-equipped for the work of ministry. Um, so I, let me pray. I, I would love to pray um, just for this church as a whole. There have been some incredible things going on and just the work of, of the Spirit uh, just through so many people here. Um, we are incredibly blessed here at CBC. Um, and just the more I've gotten involved, the more I've just truly seen how anointed this building and this campus is. So let me pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for the gift of brave scribes that you commanded to pen down the inerrant words that we hold true today and sufficient Lord, I pray for the staff here. I pray for our, our leadership here that they would shepherd in the best way that you allow them to, Lord. I pray that each of them wake up every morning with excitement to come here and to pour in to the flock, Lord. God, I thank you for each of the people sitting here today for listening to my testimony, and it's, it's really not my testimony, Lord, but it's, it's the testimony of how you work through me. And God, I thank you for just all the work that you are doing, not only in my life, but in the lives of each of these people here. I pray that you give each of these people the courage to share their testimony regularly. I pray that you give them the courage and the curiosity to spend time in your word. And Lord, I pray that each of these people here, just it just clicks the clear commission to evangelize and to make disciples, Lord. And that we would heed that call. And that we would respect you and love you all the more so because of it. So we thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.